Welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time now for another creator interview. This is something we've been doing certainly a lot more recently and something that we very much enjoy, getting a little peek behind the creative curtain, getting to chat with creators about their influences, about their upcoming work. We, we always like to spotlight creators who have something on the way and, and let you get to know them that little bit better as well and certainly to keep an eye out for their work because at, at Coffee and Heroes, as you know, we always live and die by the mantra of follow creators rather than characters. So for these guys, so we've got a, a twofer for you today. So we're chatting with writer Rich Dweck and artist Alex Cormack. These guys work together on an absolutely awesome horror title called Road of Bones, which I would really, really recommend. came out in 2019. Alex Cormack I was already a fan of. He's the artist on Sync. Rich Dweck has worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He has creator-owned titles such as Wailing Blade and Scam. And we sat down to talk to the both of them. So I do hope you guys enjoy it. As I say, keep an eye out for Sea of Sorrows, which is their next title. Another horror title from IDW, which is coming towards the end of this year. So get your pre-orders in for that. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Hi guys, and thanks for coming on to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. So I'll uh, ask each of you in turn how you guys are keeping in this current upside down world that we are we are living in. How's uh, how's things for you, Rich, at this point? Uh things are things are pretty good. Um, you know, I've been uh, lucky enough to be able to work from home since um, since around May or so, um, and uh, yeah, we're just kind of. <laughs> You know, hunker down, taking each day as it comes, and uh, it's not without its challenges, but we're managing, you yeah. know, doing the best we can. And how about for yourself, Alex? How's things with you? Uh, things are all right, you know. Um, uh, luckily for me, you know, still keeping busy, still working and all that with everything going on everything. I, I was really lucky that uh, basically all it really meant for me was that uh, my wife's a school teacher and my son is uh, just started um preschool so really for me was they were just home uh starting from march through the summer so it was just like a not to make it sound like it was great or anything but it was just like a really big long vacation for my family <laughs> and uh yeah so my wife was able to still work i was still able to work and uh so yeah so lucky enough for me nothing much changed well you know it's it's been tough for all of us right but um so how have you guys been keeping sort of seeing and together are you watching that great tv show you've never watched or is there any music uh, you've been listening to or any games i you both I, have kids so i assume yeah, that keeps you really I, busy new music I, I i've ran through everything and uh like i you know i can only listen to pearl jam so much i need something new <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say it's funny for me like the big thing i i took back up was uh I started getting back into painting uh, Warhammer. Uh, I had done it like years and years ago and then just kind of fell out of it. But with so much time on my hands, I, I kind of got sick of 
staring at screens like all the time, be it you know television or or uh, uh, my phone or, or stuff like that. So I, I really wanted to kind of do something that would get me away from that. And uh, saw some of those new miniatures, and I just had to get had to have them. So. <laughs> Yeah, just obviously wanting to be creative, uh, just maybe in a different way, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, what was, uh, you know, just often a slight tangent, I suppose, but, you know, getting into the comic book side of things. I mean, for you guys, can you remember what your first ever comic book was and what the first comic that you read that you enjoyed and and thought to yourself, you know, I'd like to do this for a living? First comic book I remember, I'm I'm not, not willing to say it was first ever, but the first one I remember picking up is actually uh the old marvel gi joe series and i think it was issue number four and i remember it was called tanks for the memories it was something it was like something about like a it was like a military parade and then cobra attacked but the tanks weren't armed so it's i'm really like surprised how much i remember of it because i like haven't read it in like 30 years but uh but yeah that was the first one I think, like, the first one that made me think I would really like to write these, like, the whole, like, Vertigo uh, 90s, like, output, like, Sandman was, like, a really big one for me, just sort of um, the Invisibles. Books like that were really ones that kind of expanded what I saw as possible in the comics medium, and that really kind of what inspired me to, to start creating. How about yourself, Alex? Alex? Yeah, you know, I uh, while Rich was saying that, I was able to uh, look up the cover. Um, I, I remember the cover more than the book itself, but it, uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's Batman 425, and it uh, covers Batman on the ground in like a junkyard, and this big tower of cars is about to fall on him. And I remember getting that um, like my, uh, with my dad when uh, in Cape Cod and uh, a shop that uh, called the Mayflower. And uh, we would, yeah, would always get comics there as a kid. And uh, but that was the first one I got, and I don't even remember what happened. I just remember that cover. And uh, um, but along with that, I remember like uh, a lot of like the you know Tom McFarlane, Jim Lee runs, um, basically from my older brother, and he would just comics on the floor. And when he wasn't paying attention, I would go into his room and like sneak look at these. I'm like, all right, what is this whole world? Like uh, especially Tom McFarlane, when he was doing the Hulk. Um, and all that stuff but you know i was really into it uh, through school and all that and i, f- I feel like a lot of people i kind of got out of it uh, but uh the one that got me back in was uh around like the sin city movie came out and um i was just kind of curious about it again anyways and um i just I, I picked up the dvd and like the dvd set sin city number one book and I was like, yeah, forget the movie. This is this is where it's at. And, um, and, and to that point, in my head, it was like, uh, like if I can't draw like Jim Lee, I, you know, that means uh, like you don't have a chance. It's everything's got to look that way, you know. And then, uh, yeah, and once I got that book, I was like, you know, oh, there's this. You can do whatever you want in this. It doesn't have to just be this one style. You can do. You can really have some fun. And um, up to that point, I was really into animation. And that's what I was really trying to do as a career was trying to be an animator. And uh, I had done some like uh, short films and all that stuff. And I did some uh, festivals, but nothing was really uh, clicking. And at that point, I, uh, I was trying to think of something new to do. And like I said, I picked up uh, Sin City and I was like, oh, this is just, you know, like I'm doing storyboards. I could just skip all in-betweens. I could just do storyboards and put that out as a book and then, you know, 
save myself a ton of time and still be able to tell some stories. Um, but yeah, Sin City and also uh, Invincible. Uh, and uh, yeah, when I see in uh, Ryan Otley's work, and I was like, I think I can jump into this world and I think I can, you know, make a career out of this. And I mean, a follow up to that question, I suppose, although you may have actually answered this question, is do you guys have a favorite comic book of all time? It's so hard. There's like, there's a lot, actually. Oops, sorry, you go first, Alex. I went, I went first last time. There. And, uh, I'll, you know, there's a bunch of them. There's Visible, Sin City, uh, Scalped, uh, you know, a bunch of Batman books, a bunch of uh, Spider-Man books. I mean, uh, for me, like, yeah, I think like. For for a long time, the answer was uh, Transmetropolitan, but mm. with like the recent kind of uh, revelations, I've I've kind of uh, I'm still kind of processing how I view Warren Ellis's work now. You know, I mean, I still like the book a lot uh, for what it is, but uh, there's that. There's uh, Sandman, The Invisibles, um, and you know, I mean, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, you know big fan of Watchmen and um, Dark Knight Returns. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're definitely, uh, there's a reason why they're, they're so like, uh, you know, why they, why they, they keep coming up and up and up, even though uh, it's, it's been a while since they're out. But uh, yeah, uh, some, some more recent stuff. Uh, I, I love, uh, I love Chew, uh, Sweet Tooth, yeah, yeah. I, I have to admire your taste because there are so many great titles <laughs> mentioned there. So this could yeah. be a good conversation. <laughs> uh, speaking of great titles, so we're going to get to see his sorrows. It's obviously, you know, why we're here to, to give it a wee chat. Um, but and the long process and trying to bring it to comic book stores. But um, let's start at the beginning. So how did mm-hmm. this creative partnership come together? Well, um you know, I think we, we had both been kind of um, working with uh, Comics Tribe, which is uh, the, the publisher of uh, Sync and uh, my other book, uh, Wailing Blade. I, Alex had been doing work with uh, with John Lee's. I think uh, this was like right around when like, you know, like Alex and I had met like when he when he was doing Oxymoron. I was like just starting to do stuff with uh, with Joe Mulvey. And we would see each other at, at uh, New York Comic Con every year and like other conventions and just be hanging out. And then um, then when Alex, uh, you know, I had always really admired Alex as a uh, as an artist. But when I, I saw Sync, I was like, OK, we definitely have to work together. Uh, I have a horror idea. And uh, I think it was at New York Comic Con one year. I just, Alex was just sort of like. Yeah, slipped it across the table. <laughs> yeah, it was it was New York, and he came over. He was like, "All right, I got this idea for this book. Uh, uh, I don't know if you had the title yet, but it was Road of Bones." And he said, "This is basically what it's about." And I was like, "Yeah, no, great, let's do it. Right, so I'll, I'll go to the hotel. I'll get started right now. This sounds great." <laughs> I mean, how closely would you guys have worked on Road of Bones? Then you know, do you do you stay very much in your own lane? You know, you know, Rich is the writer. Alex as the artist or do you bounce ideas back and forth is it a sort of true collaborative process or is it very much like we'll stick to what we're good at with it yeah it's uh it's basically yeah so Rich would just write up the scripts and um and but it kind of gave me free range like all right this is you know the scene and just go ahead so it wasn't like uh you know it has to be a specific shot like looking down this he has to have like one eyebrow up like 
two fingers up, like it wasn't specific like that. It would just be um, very specific, like uh, be like, you know, there's three guys in a room talking and are like uh, something just came in or this guy just got killed and, you know, go ahead and do it. So I, you know, for the visuals and all that, I basically had free range, which was great. What I try to do, or at least like, I guess my approach is that it's like, you know, I'm working with Alex for a reason and it's because he's got a great eye and a great sense of like drama and storytelling. So I wouldn't want to do anything to kind of uh, inhibit that. So like what I try to do in my scripts is less prescriptive, like saying, you know, like Alex was saying, like, you know, we need to be looking down or whatever. And I try to give him sort of the, the intent of like, uh, of what we are, what we're going for in the panel and um, sort of let him, let him do his thing because he does it way better than I ever could. So, you know, for example, like, uh, you know, I might say that there's like, you know, three characters uh, in the room and it feels very claustrophobic. And, uh, you know, the, I, I'm sort of kind of describing the, like let's say like the interrogation scene in, in Road of Bones, like, you know, so there'd be a lot of notes about what's going on inside the character's heads and, and a little bit, you know, like he's trying to intimidate him or, or things like that, rather than, you know, just flat out saying um, they have to be three feet apart or, or something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we, we focus a lot of Coffee and Heroes. I mean, we... I like to think we're a slightly non-traditional comic store because we don't just base all of our sales around DC and Marvel. We have massive indie sections. We push image books, IDW books, boom books, all sorts. And I personally came to Road of Bones because we also have this mantra in store of always follow creators, not characters. So I came to Road of Bones because I'm a massive fan of Sync and I try to push it as much as possible as I can in the store. So... You know, Sync strikes me as a book where you can be as dark and grisly as you want. You know, it was a it was a kickstarted book. It's released wider through Comics Tribe. You know, with IDW, do they try and rein your style in a little bit, Alex, at all, or were they very much like they knew what they were getting with your style for Road of Bones? They were, yeah, they uh, they basically knew what they were getting into. It was nice. Um, yeah, at least on my end, um, I didn't really get too many notes from them. Um, so like. Uh, uh, not to, like you know spoilers whatever for Road of bones there's uh it, there's i'll say there's one part that gets really gory and gruesome and but yeah no i no one was like hey lighten up on the red you know so, yeah so uh yeah luckily for me i basically just drew it and they were just like yeah great good just keep going you didn't uh you didn't promise idw you know a canto title and then yeah. delivered Road of bones <laughs> yeah I, exactly yeah i wasn't like uh but yeah, I was just basically, they were just like, yeah, uh, I mean, they had the script, they knew what they were getting into and, uh, you know, and if, if not, then, you know, yeah, no one got back to me. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ha- have they read the sync issue yet of the best first date in history? <laughs> I cannot even begin to tell you as a comic store trying to display that issue on the racks was impossible. And I love how much you're getting a kick out of it. This is great. <laughs> oh, that's, that's one of my, uh, uh, put it in perspective for you, uh, from on my end, I drew that, um, uh, so I just, uh, around the time that I drew that issue was also when I was doing Road of, uh, when we started Road of Bones and, um, uh, myself, my wife, I said, we just moved to, uh, Vermont and, uh, where we are in my town, I'm right across the street from the elementary school. So I'm, 
hear like the, the bell and I can hear like kids running around while I'm drawing these like uh, dominatrix and it's like, <laughs> uh, like uh, vibrating. I, I, I'm assuming this is a family program. So I'm going to say uh, vibrating, what have you. And, um, so yeah, so that was a lot of, I had to draw the curtains down and <laughs> I mean, yeah, John Lee's the writer that, I mean, I love that guy. He's, he's one of my best friends. And, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I can, I can see that being uh displaying that cover next to say like, you know, uh, uh, like Green Lantern or something. I can see that being a little tricky. Yeah, it was, de- <laughs> it was definitely I a challenge. Really appreciate you guys have, uh, you're saying that uh, really following uh, creators more than uh, characters and all that. I mean, yeah, it's just great to hear, especially when uh, I went to a comic book store lately and uh, just asked about uh, like if they had Philadelphia and they're like, I never heard of it. I'm like, that's it's a pretty famous book. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. Come on, guys. They they clearly don't listen to our podcast then because I think we spotlight every single issue of it. You know, we're we're <laughs> we're just big indie fans. You know, we we very much we very much believe there's a book for everybody. Not everybody's interested in superheroes punching each other in the face, but yeah. you know they might like crime noir or they might like, um, you know they might like a horror book or they might like a zombie end of the world stuff. So uh, no, we really push indie stuff. So we do. I mean, we joke here, Roddy, he's Mister Indie. Um, but we really do push in these stuff and then if you enjoyed this book by these guys here's their next book so that's how we've sort of uh, sold the pre-orders on Sea of Sorrows Road of Bones was was, was a, a pretty decent hit for us you know and the, and the trade sells well so it was very much a case of if you like this here's what's coming next from these guys sort of thing you know we we dug Road of Bones where it was fantastic guys um, so like IDW we're obviously very happy too so you yeah. got to work on Road of Bones, that Sea of Sorrows came soon after. Um, when when did you come up before with the story for Sea of Sorrows? Was it was it gestating for quite some time, or was it sort of like a natural progression from Road of Bones? Or well, I think like um, when Alex and I first started talking, um, you know, Alex, you said you wanted to do. Um, you want to do something set in snow. You want to do something yeah. set on the ocean, and you want to do something set on classified. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, okay. um, that's that's like my follow-up question. So, yeah. yeah, I like so, that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so like we kind of had that general thing in mind, and then it was sort of a question of okay, well, let's find like a cool um, deep sea story to tell. So, sort of went digging into um like history because i think like there were there was a few things we liked about road of bones that we were trying to um not so much replicate but i guess sort of keep keep the same kind of like vibe which was you know kind of having a historical element there having an element of um like a something that horrific that happened in the real world and sort of putting that side by side with something supernatural uh, and then also having a psychological component. So um, it just sort of turned out that in the research, like, like the time period and, and, um, and the, the idea is just, it was like a really good fit for us. I think. Well, um, yeah, I was going to ask you if there's any other plans for a historical horror an yeah. unofficial trilogy, maybe unofficial. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, unless uh, CSR 
was completely bombs. Yeah. <laughs> how, how has it been dealing with that delay on Sea of Sorrows? You know, is you know, I believe it was initially due for the end of May. Then I think July was mooted, and now we've settled in November. I mean, that long delay. Did you see that guy? Did you see that as a negative? I.e., we just want to get the book out, or was it like a positive? Oh, now we have more time to creatively promote the book. I think it was like kind of a mixed mixed bag because, you know, on the one hand, we were really excited to get the book out there, and we had done a lot of of kind of getting the word out as far as like announcing it to the press and, and getting some advanced reviews and things like that. And, you know, even when things are going good, the comics world has like the attention span of a gnat. So it's like, you know, like, uh, cause there's all, there's like new books coming out every single week and every week there's a new hot book. So, so it, it was just like, uh, you know, it's really hard to kind of hold people's attention and interests, especially when you're, you know, an indie book and you don't have the resources of like a Marvel or a DC or an image or boom even, you know? So, um, I think it was kind of a bummer, but at the end of the day, I think there's like some positives too, because if we had come out in May and it was like issue one was out, then all the comic stores closed and people weren't going to be able to get issue two until November to me. And Alex, like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think that is way worse than sort of just waiting for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that. And then, like, there was sort of the, the question of the summer. And I think even then it was like if, if it was brought if it had been brought back too soon when comic shops were still recovering, it's like we would be fighting against uh sort of everything that was delayed from may through june that was like all of a sudden now coming out so we kind of even i think idw and us we all everyone involved felt that it would be better to hold it back for a time that was the best for the book rather than you know um trying to rush it out there into you know uncertain like an uncertain market that must have been a really hard thing to do. Um, but we we talked to Clay Mann last week, and he was saying about uh, the delay of Batcat and how it sort of it helped because now it's being released in December, and there's like there's sort of like a Christmas element to the book. So mm-hmm. I think um, we see a sorrows. It's a horror book, and it's coming out sort of like in this you know dark period yeah. whenever it's a winter time it's a winter time book I, I you know i don't know if it would have made it would have <laughs> made perfect summer reading somewhere but um it, i think it might work out for the best you know it's funny yeah. to say that uh when rota bones came out uh it was like i, I remember getting it like in july and you know, these guys were charging into the snow and i'm thinking like oh that looks nice <laughs> like i'm really <laughs> Like a hundred degrees, and you know, snow feels looks pretty good. Like I can't even imagine being cold right now. And so when we did this book, I remember thinking like, uh, "Oh, it'll be the complete opposite. It'll come out summer, and they're on a, like on the ocean." You're like, "Oh, this is great summer." Now it's kicked over to the winter. So play some Jimmy Buffett <laughs> while you're reading it. You know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think no. I, I think you're definitely right, though, Rich, with regards to the release schedule. I mean, there's. There's a good example of a title that came out called Spy <laughs> Island. It was through Dark Horse Comics. I absolutely adored the first issue of it. It came out in March. Issue 2 came out last week. 
and it was kind of hard to keep that momentum going with people who had you know put it on their pull lists for example to say remember that book you loved seven months ago well here's part two and they can't even remember it so i think you guys in a in a weird way it's probably worked out better that you can release it you know monthly if that makes sense yeah no i I, you know it's it's a shame we had to wait and all that and you know frustrating for us but i mean yeah it's it's not like it's never coming out it's just we just had to wait a few months and you know and i mean the other the other thing is I think it's different than my only Sea of Sorrows that was delayed because of like something we screwed up or IDW screwed up or, or, you know, if it was like, if it was just like, oh yeah, that book's delayed, then then that is something I'd probably feel worse about than like being delayed because there's a pandemic and the economy tanking and things like that, you know, it's like, <laughs> these are things we all had to deal with. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, so, it, you know if the like kind of worst that comes out of it as far as the book goes is that it came out later than we expected. I think, you know, small price to pay. Was there any temptation to go back and change anything or were the scripts locked and you were happy with the story and the art or is, is there that endless sort of creative urge of, I could maybe I tighten a, that up a little bit sort of thing. A little bit of George Lucas on issue two. I did go back <laughs> and uh, there's a couple of shots. I'm like, like flipping through it again and like like oh well now i got some time i could you know why don't i try this over here and try that over there no i mean once i put it on paper it's perfect and i never <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> no second draft required just good to go i like that mentality i think the extra time like you know where we were in the process was like about halfway through the series and i think not having kind of like um the pressure of a uh you know you have a month to do this hell or high water like it definitely like gave us a little bit of of, of breathing room. not that we couldn't handle a schedule like that it's just um more time to develop and uh i think it was a good thing so so what sort of titles would you say inspired sea of sorrows you know is there anything from other forms of media sort of movies that you dug or tv shows that you dug or even you know comic books or 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 books that you dug that you thought you were really heavily influenced by in the in the making of this one um for for my side like i said that book uh by christoph uh, i'm I'm calling it his name is shabot (laughs) i don't know if that's right but i'm just gonna say it's shabot uh his uh his movie dick book was a big influence for me Uh, along with that um uh well also i mean uh, i grew up in massachusetts and we would go to uh in the summertime we would always go to cape cod and so i kind of always grew up like this kind of maritime town so like going to the beach all the time and going to these like museums so uh a lot of the look of it was just you know people that i saw that were like fishermen walking around and uh, so this is kind of just it's almost like a uh, hometown book for me and um so there's a lot of that then um Trying to think of any other artists I could just chuck out there, but yeah, the uh, 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 Shabot, his stuff. Uh, also, then going back to Sin City, a lot of the heavy shading and that you'll see in this was also a lot of that kind of noir look that that would look pretty good with this. That uh, I did was uh, wrote a bones too. But how about you, Rich? Like for me, I think like um, inspired by a lot of like, tense like uh, movies. Uh, sort of like, like not even necessarily like underwater movies but like i'm talking about like the thing uh mm. alien 
uh, even uh, like stuff like Event Horizon, where you like you have like group of people being stalked by something that they can't escape from because they're either surrounded by you know uh, miles of tundra or deep space or or, or an ocean. You know, uh, I think though like those were some movies that really kind of like got me in the right headspace of like how to write um, how to write the story. One book I I always go back to uh, when, when I'm looking to uh, talk about horror writing, effective horror in comics is there's this old book called um, Echoes by uh, uh, Josh Fialkov. It's an old uh, Top Cow book. Um, but it's like really one of the uh, and I believe Rashan Eshkadal, I think, is the artist. Anyway, uh, it's an older book. It's a black and white one, but it's uh, really like one of the one of the very few like horror comics where like I almost like threw it across the room because it was like so like, shocking. Like, like, you know, I had like one of those page turns where I was like, no, like like so I kind of always go back to is like when I, I'm trying to like think of like how to do how to write like a good good comics horror story cool um yeah so <laughs> my next question i've kind of got like a two-fold question uh first is up first up kind of got one for alex and then feel free to jump in on this second rich um so yeah alex these covers for road of bones yes sir holy they are some of the most incredible work i've ever seen they look like the reason I dug Rota Bones so much was they, they look like film posters almost when you when you pick them up in the store, you know. Um, where where's the inspiration come from for these? Where does the kind of this horrific imagery come from? Uh, for those covers? Um, yeah. Um, well, a lot of it, uh, like Rich and I will talk to each other and be like, all right, what do you think we should do on the cover? And um um and then a lot along with that i'll look at a lot of like chip kid books uh who's a graphic designer and um the uh, the art of mondo which is uh they're uh oh, yeah. They, yeah and um and if you don't know they're a uh is it the alehouse something it's in austin texas is a movie theater and they did um uh, they had a famous run of like they have a bunch of posters but the famous one that everybody kind of knows is they did these star wars um where uh, it's kind of like a silhouette of like uh, C-3PO, I think Boba Fett and Darth Vader, and and like they're they're like it's them, but like C-3PO, one of his eyes is like the twin suns and uh, Tatooine and that type of thing. So I uh, was looking at a bunch of that, and um, and yeah, but um, I, I'm happy to say that uh, I, I'm going to give this away. My uh, my brother always picks on me about that first cover because I showed it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, he noticed everybody died lying down, like facing up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> metaphorical yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you are not the only great artist that does covers for Rotobone and CSRs oh. um, yep. uh, CSRs we got some great variants yeah that's what I was going to say I'm with Rotobones Rotobones seem to get like these really cool uh, second printing covers and um, I, like how do you get all these variant artists or IDW picking them for you or do you get like a choice in it there's a I, I really dug the is it the retailer variant by is it Katie Sawatowski or Katie um, Sawatowski yeah yeah um, the, like these they're just unreal like I don't know do you get a choice in them or well I mean we 
we pretty much find them. Uh, you know, I, I think it's mostly it's artists that we either know or uh, like admire. Really mm -hmm. want to work with. like Katie. I met Katie at um, Heroes Con in, in North Carolina, like uh, two or three years ago, and, and she she showed me one of her mini comics, and she just has an amazing, like, kind of unique style. Really, really big. And I had, I had been um, looking for kind of just any way to work with her, like, on, on something. And I think one, one of the things I, I love about her art, particularly, is how she draws, like, women and the female form. So mm -hmm. when this project came up, you know, we our, our monster is female. I was like, I just, I call, uh, um, I emailed her and I was just like, hey, are you available? And she was like, I'd love to. And then all three of us got together and just talked talked through. It's good to hear because sometimes sometimes we talk to creators and they, they're they just like, we always we always talk about the variants because we love, you know, we love arts. Um, and sometimes you just hear, it's like, oh yeah, um, you know, Marvel just, they just told someone to do it, basically. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think that happens a lot more with licensed properties. Like, like I know um, when I did uh, uh, TMNT for IDW, it was kind of like that. Like it was just, uh, oh hey, you know, so and so is doing uh, the 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 third variant for this, and I was like, oh okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like for creator-owned stuff a lot of it is kind of like more in our ballpark because at the end of the day, it, it's our book, you know? And, yeah. and I think I'm sure if, if we kind of asked for, you know, recommendations or if I was like, Hey, you know, I really want uh, this artist to do a cover. And I saw he did one on, you know, I don't know, transformers. Like, can you give us, you know, can you get us in touch? I'm sure they'd, you know, be happy to do that if, if possible, but, you know, I think like um, at least the way I like to approach it is if we have a book that we know a lot of people are going to look at and we can kind of expose the art of somebody that we love to people that might not see it otherwise, I, I think that's, you know, a really great, great way to use like variants, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was great for me because uh, with uh, Rota Bones, um, yeah, all our uh, B covers that we did, um, uh, I was the guy that was jumping on board in those, and um, and I was basically just being selfish on it. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to just show off as much as I can. And then when we started this, I mean, it's it's always so cool, uh, like seeing somebody else draw one of your characters, and uh, seeing how they like will interpret this, or you know, and it's just always interesting. Like, oh, that's like that's something that really picked up for them, and I didn't even think about like like a character's nose being that big or something like that, you know? Um, so yeah, for me, it's always, it's, it's this run of covers for this series. Has been It's every single one. has been really great to see it. Check it yeah. out. And like, I think, I think issues one and issues issue two are, are like out there in the wild already, but uh, there's going to be a lot of fun ones coming up for the remaining three issues yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, with Rota Bones, certainly you guys cost me a fortune because I bought up all the uh, variant covers as well. And I don't tend to do that with a lot of indie series, but I, I agree with Roddy. They had a real filmic quality to them. They, 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 they cost me quite a bit of money, I can tell you guys. How dare you? How dare you? And then I see the ones for Sea of Sorrows being sort of teased, and I'm like, oh, God. Why that? So, yeah, you've, you've guaranteed sales out of me anyway, but... Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, away, away from a little bit, maybe from IDW and like looking at your stuff with Comics Tribe, obviously you guys have both done stuff for Comics Tribe or continuing to do stuff, certainly with Wailing Blade and so forth. You know, what's the experience like working with them, you know, in in comparison to say a, a bigger company like IDW? You know, do you find any differences in how you engage with the fans or or almost uh, any differences with their sort of work methods or do they just leave you alone to do what you want sort of thing? For my sake, they just, <laughs> I feel like nobody wants to talk to me. They just all leave me alone. Um <laughs> Like, uh, it's okay. We want to talk to you. You're maybe okay. it's because of what you draw. I don't know. Or maybe it's because, yes, of what you draw, and maybe they go, maybe leave that guy over there. <laughs> because I, it's for my sake, I'm lucky. It's, it's just basically like working with friends. Because, uh, like with Comics Tribe, it was um, uh, they, with uh, John and I were paired up uh, a zillion years ago for. Um, this like this game anthology i think and i think that was the first thing we did together and we just became friends after that so everything from then on was just like working with a buddy and the same deal with uh, rich like we be friends before we did road of bones so it was more like uh and it just happens to be idw's putting this out or comic guys putting this out um so yeah but both it, it's been great with both guys great to me because they haven't been like over my shoulder saying like we were saying before like you know less guts you know let's we, let's make this uh pg-13 for crying out loud you know let's we don't have to see all that um and it's more just like yeah just do what you got to do i mean like it's it's the same for my end too like i'm um you know with the book i do comic stride wailing blade like I'm, I'm really good friends with joe like uh, you know we'll just like hang out and meet up in the city because he lives in queens i live in in new jersey so when um, meeting up was a thing that could happen, you know, for, for drinks and we'll talk about comics and things we wanted to do. So it was really just like really comfortable. I mean, I, I think like probably like the big difference is that like um, since Comics Drive is like kind of like a smaller operation than IDW, it's um, there's a little more work involved because it's like, you know, there's no like director of marketing. There's no director of PR, you know, so it's like, Tyler, the publisher, does like a lot of work like on himself and and you know as creators like we 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 try to do like our our fair share and stuff. But then like the flip side of it is that since there's not so many levels and people to go through, it, it's you know it's sort of like you just be like, hey Tyler, I think this would be cool, and he's like, yeah, and then you're doing it. Like it, it, it's a little bit more like legwork, but than like uh with idw but I, I and i think but tyler is like a great great dude and really does everything he can to like make those books successful i think and then just that maybe a, a quick question obviously the the comic industry is is in an interesting uh place right now i certainly feel it as a as a comics retailer you know the distribution methods are changing all the time and obviously you've got digital comics as well i mean how, how do you guys feel the industry is reacting? You know, how, what what are your sort of thoughts on digital versus print? You know, does does it matter to a creator at all because you're still getting your stories out there, or or are you both sort of old school guys who just prefer having, you know, the comic in your hands? Um, I mean, uh, just to give you an example, I mean, we 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 were talking to you guys before about how we chatted to, you know, the Canto guys, Drew and David, and they sent us a PDF of Canto Two and the hollow men so we could you know do an advanced review and i found with digital you know there was like double page spreads that maybe didn't have the same impact that they do on paper but i'm, ju I'm just curious just from a creator point of view you know do you, 
do you have a preference for digital versus print or does it not matter as long as you know the stories are getting out there you know what are your thoughts on that rich i mean for me i i am someone who i i prefer print like 100 percent. i just like the feel of, of, of paper like reading a book and you know flipping back and forth without you know clicking and, and things like that i think but at the same time i wouldn't presume to say like print superior you know what i mean like like if if, if people out if there are certain people who prefer digital and that's great i think it's important for me to get the story out there but if you gave me the choice of like would I rather hand someone a, uh, you know, uh, a USB drive with a PDF on it or hand them like a beautiful, uh, well-designed book? I, you know, book 100%. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, the medium in which you're delivering it. And the, like the, the floppies, like the issues are, are issues and I think you you can do a lot of like really uh, good sort of like artful design and packaging with them. But I think like when you get to trades and, and hardcovers, that's when you really have the opportunity to like turn like the thing itself into a piece of art that, you know, like I would love to like have up on the shelf, take down and, and show people. Whereas like, you know, a digital file is, is, it just doesn't have the same magic for me, but like as far as the industry goes, like I don't necessarily see it moving like fully digital. I think like probably the best thing would be for digital to sort of like complement the print industry. You know, I would really hope that yeah. there's a way for it all to like kind of live together. But I know that like me personally, like given the choice, like I would almost always be like looking to buy the book or um or the physical object and maybe that's like i don't know maybe it's old school or old-fashioned of me but that's just how i feel so so you said you said you weren't gonna presume i'm going to presume print is better (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean um the thing with uh the good thing about digital is if like you're a kid and there's like the closest comic shop is like three hours away and you can't get a hold of these things, then you can jump on and you could uh, dig it up somewhere. And you can, there's now a way you can look at comics. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you couldn't. Uh, but I mean, you know, and uh, the only other way also could be better is if you're going on a trip and you don't want to pack your bag with like 15 like comics or like 15 books or whatever, you can have it all on your phone, right? Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, when, uh, and, and this is, I mean, typical of the artist uh, uh, <laughs> way to look at it. Um, because, I mean, when you look up close to a book and you kind of, you can really get in there what the artist is doing. And you can kind of do that on digital, but there's always like, there's something in between that's like, um, like for my sake, when I'm like looking at uh, like artists and trying to think of, uh, like a lot of times I'll like look at artists and be like, all right, uh, what I'm drawing, I got to do as good as this person or better. Um and I'll sometimes I'll have it up on the but if I have it as a book like right next to me, it makes a world of difference. And um and and we all know that old Stan Lee quote uh talking about the difference too, but um yeah. but I, I don't think it should be something get to get rid of just for for the kid's sake in like Montana or whatever, where you can't get to a store. Um 
And then later I'm going to find out Montana has the biggest comic book <laughs> shops in the world that I don't know what I'm talking about. But what? yeah, no. I mean, like, obviously. And also, to, I mean, to go into a shop too and to get to know, and uh, and this is not to suck up to you guys, but I mean, to go into a shop also and to look around, to, to see the covers, to flip through them. And I mean, it's just the whole experience. It's just fun to go do that. Even if you, you know, if you go to the shop and you pick up one book or you pick up like, like 13 books or whatever it's just it's just a fun enjoyable thing to go do and it's, it can be an event and i mean how much fun is it to try, when you're going home and you have like a bunch of books and you're so excited i mean yeah. opposed to just like, and you download them and you're like oh i gotta go you know i got 50 minutes ago i guess i'll just flip through my phone real quick but even yeah when, print, all, print all the way <laughs> even even when you look at something that's like created like digital first like let's say like a like a web comic you know Really, there's some really popular webcomic out there that have like millions and millions of views and millions and millions of, you know, people that come and read it every day. When those webcomics put out a print collection, they always do amazingly well. You know what I mean? So it's not like people that even people that read mainly digital see value in collecting that digital stuff and creating like a physical object out of it. So, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that it's it's got to be like one or the other i just think it's we kind of have to figure out a way to yeah. you know everything everything kind of like is able to thrive like on its own i'm kind of starting to think it's like vinyl records because yeah. you can you can listen to you know i've got don mclean here a nice record called american pie you can listen to it on your phone right yeah but to experience oh, right. it you well, need the vinyl record you know I was I was just thinking it's it's like listen to an album or seeing the band live, you know, right. mm-hmm. and like seeing that like there's always like just the, it's the same song but you know there's just a little bit different when you got it in your hands opposed to, um, but I mean and also like uh, digital stuff there's uh, oh, what's her name I want to say it's Emily Carroll and uh, but she has a book uh, called Through the Woods. And um, that's one of the few examples of where it's it's better online than it is in the book. Uh, she has a story in there called, uh, like, and forgive me if I'm getting it wrong, I believe it's called His Face is All Red. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, you're but, scrolling down. It, yeah. Scroll. So, the th- so in the story, there's this part where this guy's going down this hole, and uh, I don't want to – it's it's such a good – it's a great, chilling story, but uh, – but when you're when you're flipping through the book, it's just there's the panel, there's and he's kind of climbing through the hole, and it's it's great. But when you're looking online, you're scrolling and you're climbing down with them, and it just makes it like yeah, oh, it gets you all like like oh my god, what am I? In? So there's uh, there's you know it's in digital, it's so early, it's so early, especially for these. I mean, so like a lot of these, a lot of people just like. Well, here's my book, and here it is. it's kind of like uh, the first days of photography, where the very first photos are like, all right, let's make it, it look like a painting as much as we can, opposed to let's get it on the street and do some, take a photo of something that you know you couldn't do with a painting. So I think in about like you know 30 years, you're gonna get some really interesting stuff. But again, I'm I'm, I'm sticking to what I said before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about IDW earlier. Um, so we're we're kind of seeing in Coffee and Heroes, like we're big indie guys anyway, but we've been kind of noticing recently there's something about IDW. Usually it's known, you know, Transformers, Turtles, G.I. Joe. This is all stuff I love that I 
that I loved when I was a kid. Um, it's primarily known for its licenses, right? But stuff like Road of Bones, Canto, Ghost Tree was another one I loved, and Ollie, loads more. And then we've got Scarentude is another one coming up. Um, do you guys feel like it's becoming like a little hotbed for, you know, creator-owned stories? Is there, how, do, how does it feel to be part of a small revolution within IDW? I think it feels really good. I mean, you know, um, it's not like, I think IDW, yeah, like, it has been known for, like, its licenses, like, in recent years, but they've always kind of had this, you know, they've always had some, like, really, really good creator-owned stuff, and especially in horror, like, you know, they, they launched the company with 30 Days of Night, um, then you had Lock and Key, which was amazing, and, I, and I, it's one of my favorite books, honestly, Lock and Key, but I think there definitely was, like, kind of, like, a turn, like, you know, a couple of years ago to, to just start doing more more and more creator-owned stuff. Um, I can't speak to why, because, you know, not, like, uh, not steering the ship there but uh, I mean I'm happy that we're able to be a part of it because I feel like kind of um, our like uh, you know class of, of 2019 like if, if you want to call it that had a lot of like really strong books in it you know like you know most of the ones you mentioned then there's also Mountainhead with uh, from, from John yeah. yes yeah we love that one too yeah, yeah. Can you please speak to John and get him to release the last issue, please? I, I've been waiting on tender hooks for months. Dude, it's he, he showed it to me. It's so it was one of the. Uh, there's a bit in there. I'm not gonna tell you what happened, but um, yeah, I it was such a good page turn where I was just like, holy! It's like <laughs> I was like, I didn't see that coming, like a mile away. Like that was so good. And uh, Ryan Lee's art in that. He's killing it. He's doing such a good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mountainhead was a great example of what I was talking about, you know, with following creators, because I could say mm. to someone, oh, you loved Sync? Well, the artist of Sync is doing Road of Bones, the writer yeah. of Sync is doing Mountainhead, so you're actually <laughs> recommending two titles, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So, But yeah, tell him to hurry up and release the last one. I'm, you know, I, I will, I'll tell, him to, tell him to stop <laughs> watching so much wrestling <laughs> and to start releasing the last issue. <laughs> Uh, well, that was one of my favorite things at the uh, with the end of Road of Bones. That with the final issue, I was so psyched to see like, there was the last page, and then the page right next to it was John's book, and I was just like, "Oh, this is." I mean, there's my like I just finished uh, this book, and then there's my friend. He's promoting his big book coming up with these guys, and I was just it was it, it was really cool. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, the ending is it's worth the wait. It's really good. Excellent. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> Well, speaking of John, um, John's done a few Kickstarters. You guys have done a few Kickstarters. You've been involved with Comics Tribe Kickstarters. Um, I've done a few Kickstarters even in my time. Um, so how do how do you see it now? There's there's sort of um, big companies and big time creators are sort of jumping on the platform with no real history involved. Do you think it's good for them? Good for the platform? Or do you find they're kind of missing out on that community aspect of Kickstarter? I think it's it's kind of um, I don't think it really harms uh, indie projects. Like I think they 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 are missing out a little bit on the community and things that can kind of make a Kickstarter special, like the intimacy of it. 
uh, of like having like really close communications with the creators. Like, you know, when we're running a Kickstarter, if you drop a comment on there asking a question about, you know, the story or something, like I might get back to you. Alex might get back to you. I really doubt if you're um, if you drop a comment on Berserker asking Keanu Reeves a question. <laughs> I don't think Kickstarter is the type of platform where um, more than anywhere else, like I don't think people are like, well, I have 10 bucks to pledge this month. And is it going to go to Keanu or is it going to go to, you know, Alex and Rich? I think it's the sort of platform where people support books that inspire them and mm-hmm. like whatever boom or image or who anyone whoever it is like their stuff doesn't have to do anything that doesn't have to touch any of that it's like you know if my book can inspire somebody to you know pledge pledge to it just as it can inspire somebody to pick it up off the shop you know if it's a question of like having limited funds you know it's it's no different so so they can order it on Kickstarter if they were only going to be spending $20 on comics per month it's like they might have been spending most of that in a shop or in a you know in uh, on Amazon or something so it doesn't really like worry me and and I'm speaking as somebody who has a Kickstarter that's going to be launching soon like we're going to be launching a Wailing Blade Kickstarter within the next couple of weeks for a trade collection um, and you know, it's the sort of thing where, like, I, I know we have our audience, and I'm, I don't really care what anybody else is, is doing. I, I, don't, I don't see it as taking away from our audience, because I think one of the great things about Kickstarter is that um, it relies a lot on, like, like referrals. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, you like my project, check out this project. You like this project, check out that project. So, you know, if... Uh, if uh, Keanu Reeves brings like 10,000 new people to the platform and then they, you know, sort of get an email saying, Hey, congratulations on backing this sign up, you know, check, check these 10 books out. And my book is one of those 10 books. It's like, it might not help. I don't know. It, it might not. People have told me that it doesn't really, but it, it, it might, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe we'll get one more pledge than we would have otherwise. It's not like Kickstarter was like some special pristine place that, you know, was like uh, unpolluted. It's like there's always like competition there. And it's just like, you know, somebody who's like a fan of Keanu Reeves and sees that he's doing a comic and wants to check out that comic. It's not like they said, oh, well, you know what? I was going to support Willing Blade, but screw that. I want to see (laughs) what Keanu is doing. It's like, you know, I'm. Probably, you know, a couple of people are like that, but I think for the most part, it's like the people that are pouring money into those projects are people that are interested in those projects and it's not necessarily taking, it's not like, it's not like browsing a store, you know what I mean? Like, like where you're going to go in and you're going to be like, oh, I like this or I like that. It's sort of like people hear about a Kickstarter, they hear about a project, they say, that looks cool. I want to, I want that, you know? So I don't know. Personally, I, I, I know it's a very unpopular opinion for an independent creator to have, but like, you know, let them do their thing. I'm not afraid of them. 
Definitely, definitely shouldn't be with those comics tribe numbers. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tyler kind of like the game down to a science. Like I, I remember when he first started doing Kickstarters, it was just like very much like you know doing the best we can and like kind of like figuring it out as he goes. Now it's like he like teaches the stuff. He has like seminars on like you know, best practices. He's like he's like a guru. So with kind of um, stuff. With those Willing Blade, with that uh, Kickstarter, is there going to be uh, a retailer tier for that? Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Cool. Um, and I, I know we're also, um, as far as the print run goes, we, we're, we're looking to, you know, uh, fulfill all our orders and, and also still have enough for, like, um, a wider release. We'll probably uh, follow the sync model of... Um, you know, fulfilling our backers, but then and also down the road having like a you know a diamond uh, release of the book. So uh, yeah, we, as I say, we always like to try and get sort of smaller ones in. Well, mm-hmm. smaller. Um, but uh, with... yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is you know, Comic Tribe is not they're not Image, they're not you know Marvel. I, I just there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. So it's it's yeah. smaller operation, but quality books so yeah well that's that's the bottom line oh, yeah. it's and it's yeah. diversity yeah. you know it's diversity of titles mm-hmm. which is what we focus on as much as possible so um so yeah retailer um tiers are always ones that i look at because i love having the biggest variety possible i i don't yeah. want people walking in the our store and thinking oh it's dc or it's marvel or that's it so uh i'll be definitely keeping a keeping an eye out for that uh, kickstarter just a couple of small questions just finish off you've been you know very very generous with your time so um just uh any dream characters you'd like to work on any anyone you'd like to write for rich or anyone you'd like to draw alex and sort of in the what and it doesn't even have to be again dc or marvel it could be a preacher book or it could be a since an issue of sin city would probably appeal to you alex for example garfield <laughs> did you Garfield be like i was copying that uh, jim davis so <laughs> uh, yeah i mean there's a lot of characters I, I love. I think like if uh, I have a weird one for Marvel, I'm like a huge Sabretooth fan. I like him much better than Wolverine, and I, I, you know, couldn't tell you why. I just there's just something I, I really like about that character, and I think I could do like a really kick-ass like uh, run on like a Sabretooth book if they if they gave me like uh, a little little room to run with. Um, some other ones are uh, Ghost Rider. I'd love to do that. Uh, DC end of things. I would love to do something with like Superman. Aim high, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a lot of like the Bat Family characters, like like Red Hood, and, like Nightwing, and stuff. I, I like Batman too, but you know, I think like the family is really interesting. Uh, and then outside of that, sorry, this is blasphemous being from America, but I would love to do like a Judge Dredd story. Uh, <laughs> like uh i don't know judge dread's one of those uh comics that like um i was really into when i was younger like just because it was so different from like, uh, like most of what we were getting over here so like and i just loved the way um just like all like the far out ideas and how like you know how crazy and complex like mega city was like i would like just sit and like kind of like pour over the pages looking at like the highways and things like that you know so yeah i just have a lot of heart for judge dread i would love to like take a crack at it someday no way not blasphemous at all um isn't <laughs> one of the best judge dread stories 
about America? Isn't it called America, the John Wagner one? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, to go with your uh, 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 overseas one, I'll throw in uh, Miracle Man. I think that'd be cool to draw. Uh, uh, I, I I loved Invincible, but you know they you know quit doing that. Um, but that would have been a lot of fun to draw. But yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, a saber tooth. Would be, that would be a blast to draw. If, if you get that job, give me a call. We'll do it together. That'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, saber tooth. That'd be a blast. Um, but yeah, uh, for my sake, just uh, I mean, as long as they're interesting looking, it'll be fun for me. Uh, uh, like yeah, since it would be a blast to draw, I think I would get you know people would have want nothing to do with it <laughs> if uh, Frank Miller wasn't drawing it, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, Clayface would be fun to draw just because he's so crazy. Um, Two Face is always, Two Face is always like a fun like I, I don't know what to draw today. I'll draw Two Face just because he can draw this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch a Garfield book with us, man. Sweet, but yeah. Do you think it's like Alex Cormax Garfield? Uh, That's golden <laughs> right there. Absolute gold. The first so, cover would be like Garfield hanging from Odie's tongue. Like, yeah, you know. I was going to say, yeah, he's going to be like, Garfield, what do you do? I killed Odie. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to suggest like someone walking into an orgy dressed as Garfield or something like that. You know? <laughs> something like that. But that's... Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, we'll, we'll get on the phone with uh, the Jim Davis company. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> That pitch, that pitch is nailed in, nailed in. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, I have to ask as a fan. You know, is is there going to be any more sync down the line? Do you know, or is it a case oh, yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah? Uh, uh, right now, we um, I, I don't know how much I can say, uh, but yeah, we definitely got more issues on the yeah, way. I yes, know, uh, yes John, is more than it's... sufficient. Do not get yourself yeah. in trouble. <laughs> I will say, uh, but uh, John's got the next five issues, I think, done. Uh, but in between, we're doing like this, uh, um, this I'll just say, um, uh, graphic novel on a certain character who wears a fox mask uh, named Mr. Dig. <laughs> and uh, so we're, uh, we just did um, a few pages for that. And, um, but yeah, no, we're, uh, yeah, there's a bunch more coming. Uh, in fact, we, John and I were talking like, with, like the next base, like 20 issues. So mm-hmm. yeah, we got, uh, we got more to go. Was that? When the identity of the fox was revealed, that was just, I mean, that must have been <laughs> such a blast to draw, you know, with that very much Raid-inspired storyline. And you oh, just yeah. realized yeah. who it was. That, that two-issue arc is my, my personal favorite. So, uh, nice. Thank yeah. you. Big, big fan. I know, yeah, one where I was like, all right, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept pitching it to people as the running man meets the Raid. All set in a housing estate or a housing block in Scotland, you know, easy pitch, easy pitch. Um, but we're not going to end this on sync. We're going to end this on save sorrows. So, finally, just give us the uh, the elevator pitch. Why should everyone have save sorrows on their pull list? Well, uh, if you like tense, deep sea horror, you're going to love Sea of Sorrows. It's about a uh, salvage crew that gets lured out to a U-boat of World War One gold and gets way more than they bargained for when they run into a monstrous uh, sea siren. So it's got crew crew members backstabbing each other. It's got uh, monsters. It's got an amazing uh, art by Alex. You know, you're going to like look at some of these panels underwater and think you're on another planet. Um, it's uh, just 
some of the, I think some of the best work we've done. And if you love Road of Bones, I think you're really going to love it. See, that was my pitch. It's got amazing art by me. So, bye. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Bye, Tuesday. Bye. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, yep, that that now puts the pressure on me. I'm just going to have to push the hell out of this book as well. So, I don't want to. I don't want to let you guys down. So, um, but yeah, thank, thank, thank you very much for your time, yeah, guys. Thanks. It's 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 always a blast chatting with creators and chatting to people who love this industry as much as we do and you know we're, we're fortunate enough to, to to work within it so thank you very much for this and uh we'll we'll, we'll maybe be chatting to us again down the line you can reveal what that trilogy capper is to uh <laughs> see yeah. sorrows and road of Intrigued bones by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got us thinking yeah yeah thanks very much guys yeah. really appreciate it yeah thanks once again cheers thanks Bye.